In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. If, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Romans twelve twenty one. Food and drink, the staples of human life, both physical and spiritual. We've seen this theme repeating itself over the last months as I've been drawn to the analogy of material food nourishing our bodies with the spiritual food from above eternally nourishing our souls. Paul is talking about the real thing here. He's dealing with complainers and nitpicky detractors within the new Christian church, the plain and simple people. And he's saying, if they tug on your cape, don't withhold food. He acknowledges that we can incite one another, inflame our fellow travelers in this world to do and say evil. But he says, do not be overcome by it. If we love those who are evil to us, then at least I'm happy to think I'm heaping burning coals on their head. I can picture it vividly, and so I feel better. But loving everyone regardless doesn't come as naturally to me as it appears to to my cousin. It seems that nothing said to him, done to him, or implied will goad him into saying anything negative about anyone. Honestly, he finds the good in everyone their lovely eyes, the way they mother their children, the delicious cuppa they've just poured, the selfless way they teach in the classroom. Even when something goes against his belief, he still has time to listen to a conflicting point of view, to accept people and their ideas as valuable. He doesn't teach the absolutes with words. He teaches them by the example of his life. If anyone who comes in contact with this gentle man and still goes away with evil in his heart, all I can say is the coals must be a heaping. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. Are you ready for a glorious day by the sea? I am. Mike Donnelly is returning as my guest this week. One of his jobs is working to keep our rights as parents intact with the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He and his wife homeschool their seven children. We're going to talk about college alternatives later. I'm in the seaside town of Leon C this week, and it isn't the sunshine that's brought me here. I'll be touching on my Roman visit, hanging curtains, hedgerows and blackberries, going grey, a massive hamburger, letter writing, a joke, and anything else that springs to mind during this hour with you. Do you have your cereal and toast, your coffee or your tea, your crumpet and butter? If so, we're ready to go. As I said, I'm by the sea this week, and we've had a very busy time of it with only one day between Rome and the seaside, and I'm ready for this hour to just sit down and take a break. 
I'm sitting by my window on the second floor of an old house overlooking the sea, or should I say, the Thames estuary. The tide's in so I can watch the rippling water and some of the fishing boats bob, bob, bobbing along. And about five or six miles away towards the horizon, I can see Kent. I'm actually in Essex, and at night, the lights from that other county are brilliant along their estuary front. South End, which is about 10 minutes from Lee, has the longest pleasure pier in the world. It's 1.34 miles long. And at the height of the season, there are sideshows on it, shops selling all kinds of things, and a museum at the end to delight pedestrians as they stroll for a mile out to sea. I can see it from my window. It really doesn't look a mile away, but, you know, distances are really distorted here. Anyway, it was closed today as I was going along for my walk for renovations, so I couldn't go out and walk on it. Um, so I walked about a mile along the front and was um, greeted by rides and amusement arcades that are lit up on the summer's nights, earning the seaside town its notorious reputation as being a loud and rowdy place to come on holiday. This morning, though, it was lovely. No tourists, hardly any locals, just hundreds of varieties of rock candy, buckets and spades, and promises of lovely cups of tea with toasted tea cakes for sale. I had no money, so I was able to abstain. Of course, the fish and chips are to die for, and we had some last night for dinner. Sea bream, followed by toffee pudding and custard. Oh, my gosh, delicious. The main industry here, besides tourism, is still fishing, particularly cockles. Cockles are those tiny little snails of the sea. When the tide goes out, it can recede for as far as a mile, and all the privately owned fishing boats are left high and dry, and there are hundreds of them. The picture is brilliant. Hundreds of the brightly coloured boats dotted along the beach, which isn't actually sand, it's pebbles and shells and lots of seaweed. I paddled in the water this morning. It was freezing. I tasted it too. I had to because the Thames comes down and it's a river. So the water is fresh and it flows out into the North Sea. So um, I wanted to see whether it was fresh or salty. It was a little bit salty, but not much. Our hotel is next door to the house where Edward Wimper used to live. Now, I know you're asking, who's he? Well, he has an interesting story. In 1860, he and six of his English companions conquered the Matterhorn, one of the last of the main alpine mountains to be climbed. The story of the expedition is a tragic one after the ascent and they stayed for an hour to enjoy the view and the fact that they had been the first to conquer this huge mount. Um, On the way down, they were all tied together, and four of the seven fell to their deaths. The rope just below Wimper and two of his companions broke, saving them. Isn't that awful? Anyway, he used to live next door and enjoyed the same view that I have. My zookeeper son's a climber. I hope he doesn't decide to conquer an impossible mountain one day. From where I am, there's quite a steep slope to the promenade. I suppose I'm on the top of cliffs. And um, I counted the steps down this morning, 115 of them. Fine going down, a bit of a struggle coming up. And I noticed today there was a cliff lift or funicular built in the 1912, which looks interesting. There's a modern day lift also, which goes all the way up to the high street, probably another hundred steps on top of the 115. Wow, this town is not for the walking challenged. 
now that I've dropped Malia off in her new home for a year, all of a sudden, or so it seems, all my children have grown up. Now we can begin to have serious and meaningful conversations. Those of you listening who still have young ones, take heart. This time will come for you. And in the meantime, just keep tuning in here. Nurture those mummy friends, your husband, my guest last week's website, mummychats.com, all aids to filling our gaping void of adult conversation during the day while we were mums to toddlers. It doesn't last forever, trust me. My well-heeled stranger once said to me before my children were fully grown, all at once my children are interesting to be around. And now I know what she meant. Now, not that they weren't always interesting in their infant, toddler, teenage ways, but now they have opinions which I can respect, if not always agree with, formed by their association with peers and teachers outside the homeschool. They're a whole generation younger than me, so I'd be disappointed if they saw the world in exactly the same light as I do. And at times when their perspective is fresh, or at least a blast from the past, I think, hey, I said that, or oops, I said that. For example, when I'm second-guessing myself on leaving them behind in Texas to fend for themselves, my oldest will remind me, well, Mum, you always said I was on loan from God. And I think, I did? How magnanimous of me that must have been when he was throwing a holy tantrum. And that when I was old enough, he continued, I'd want to make my own way in life as an independent individual, without parentals, at least not around and needed 24-7. Now I am an independent and making my own decisions, he reminded me, based on what you've taught me and how I was raised. You should be okay with that, as you've been a good steward of God's gift of me to you. So my children are doing okay, sad face. It's hard to let go. Perhaps we need a warm-blooded, soft and furry pet. Where's Buddy? Well, let's not talk about pets right now. Actually, I'm watching dog walkers out here. Everybody has a dog, but I can't I can't have a pet. So let's talk about something I've been thinking about this week while tramping around the hot and dirty streets of Rome on and off planes and up and down motorways. Slavery. There was evidence of slavery everywhere in the ancient city of Rome. The massive buildings, the families and their help. It really wasn't on for the new Christian to have slaves, but it was part of the culture, a social norm, even though there was now all this talk about freedom and not being yoked to slavery again. Galatians 5.1. Really, those first born again should have been made to think twice about owning another child of God. But they went ahead in spite of what they knew. They endorsed it and probably didn't even realize they were doing anything theologically wrong. You know, can't see the log in your own eye, but can see the speck in your brother's. So I'm thinking, what are we so blatantly doing today that flies in the face of what's written in the word? What will generations to come notice about how we led our lives as followers of the Lord? Lots of things come to mind, but one thing really stands out. The fact that we choose to obey or not. Think about it. We quibble with every commandment. Yes, but minor extenuating circumstances, we say defensively, or that doesn't apply to me. And all right, but times have changed or that kind of thinking's old fashioned. We've become experts at the but only if 
modifier. Thou shalt do this, but only if you wish or if it suits you or if it fits in with your lifestyle. As an individual, I think I'm responsible, but I am at risk of being swept along with the social current if I don't look out, more especially if I don't have a non-wavering church that upholds the Judeo-Christian teachings to support and guide me. Do we obey regardless of our culture? Or are we caught up in exclusive language? Are we wondering what's so wrong with keeping up with the times, being open-minded or respecting others' differences? Is our obedience to God a choice or a given? And I've got to go on a break now, but when I come back, my guest is ready and waiting to talk to me, Mike Donnelly from Homeschool Legal Association. So I'll be gone for about 90 seconds and um, come back and listen to my conversation with Mike. And here's the music. toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for education to excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney.
My guest today is a regular on The Sociable Homeschooler, which speaks volumes about how passionate he is about this blossoming educational movement. Mike Donnelly works for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, where he serves as staff attorney and director of international relations. Mike and his hardworking colleagues at HSLDA defend both the American and international right to choose how we educate our children. Their efforts ensure that homeschooling remains a parental choice for all of us, and we can support this organization by joining HSLDA. Mike and his wife homeschool their seven children, and he's a frequent speaker and writing on many homeschool-related topics, some of which he shared with us over the years on my show. Today, we're going to talk about apprenticeships and vocational paths to our homeschool. Our homeschoolers may choose to follow instead of college, tied into the possibility of a career in the military. Welcome back, Mike. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Hi, Vivian. It's great to talk with you also. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well, thank you. We are looking forward to a little sunshine here on the east coast of the United States, hopefully after a few days of rain, which I'm sure, uh, you know, for people in England, you know, you get used to that stuff, right? Oh my gosh, all the time. I mean, we've had no, we've had no summer whatsoever. It's just rained every single day. I just feel so so sorry for the English people, but it's a bright and dry day today, and I'm by the sea today, which is really pretty, so um, I'm enjoying that. And um, I know Texas desperately needs rain, so we can send some of our rain their way. We'd be glad to send some of the eight inches of rain we've gotten here <laughs> their way. All right, Mike, today, I mean, we've covered a lot of things on, on the, sh- the previous shows that you've been on today. My first question for you is going to have to be why you think homeschooling is a good choice for all parents, regardless of their religious beliefs. Well, homeschooling is a great uh, educational choice for parents because it works really, really well. Uh, I think that when you look at the uh, research that's been done on homeschooling, you see that homeschooled students perform really well on uh, academic measures of performance, which isn't the only way you judge success, of course, but that's certainly one way, and that's the primary um, uh, you know, uh, goal for education is for children to learn and to you know, gain knowledge and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and so when you look in the U.S., uh, studies have shown that homeschooled students perform 25 to 35 percentage points higher on standardized measures of academic achievement. Uh, They have higher GPAs in college, some studies have shown. So it really is an excellent uh, approach for parents who want their children to do well academically. But uh, also socially, Uh, you know, there's a, uh, a, um, a stereotype out there that homeschoolers are not very well socialized, and that's just simply couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, homeschooled students are very well socialized. S- scientific studies have shown this. Uh, experience shows it. And so if you want children who are well-adjusted, who are able to develop relationships with a wide variety of people from all ages and all different walks of life, um, you know, homeschooling works in that way, too. So it's really regardless of a parent's religion, which can enter into the equation, of course, but regardless of that, uh, homeschooling works in a number of different areas where we want to invest in our children. And um, it works. I mean, homeschooling is, is legal in most states in America. So it's, it's, it's illegal an, in all states in America. It's, it's legal in all states in America. So it's an option for every American parent. That's and correct. I know that you've been in Europe this summer. So how about Europe? I mean, is, is it getting better? Is it kind of a good option in Europe, too? 
Well, it is depending on the country you're in, and of course, you know, regardless of whether it's legal or illegal, you know, sometimes you just have to do the right thing for your family. And as a matter of conscience, I think all parents have a human right to choose to educate their children. The UN can, uh, Declaration on Human Rights mm-hmm. uh, says in Article 26, Part 3, that parents have a prior right to choose the form of education for their children. And there are a number of other international legal documents and human rights documents that also support that notion. So uh, while in some countries, for example, Germany, it may be uh, in application illegal. There's no law in Germany that says you can't homeschool, but there is a law that says you have to go to school, although it, the law allows for exceptions. These exceptions are universally denied, 99% of the cases. Uh, in Sweden, you have uh, a law that says you can homeschool if you get uh, permission from the authorities, and the authorities have to give permission under only exceptional circumstances. And that law was changed just last summer uh, to make it exceptional circumstances, which in effect means that no one will be able to get permission to homeschool in Sweden. Um, And so, you know, but most countries in Europe, virtually all the other countries in Europe, permit homeschooling in some way, shape, or form, whether they require tests or some kind of, uh, you know, interaction between the parents and the schools. Homeschooling is permitted, and, you know, regardless of the obstacles that may exist by way of regulation, uh, it still is an excellent way for families to educate their children uh, to create productive, mature adults who can go on and do the things that God is calling them to do in their lives. So um, if if it is, you know, sort of part of the law that um, it's a parental right to choose the education or how their children are educated, then why is um, homeschooling, you know, being threatened? And is it just homeschooling that's being threatened or is it other forms of um, education that aren't like the traditional or the institutionalized school? That's a great question, Vivian. Uh, In fact, I just was in Frankfurt two weeks ago presenting a paper at a human rights conference. Uh, For the first time, this human rights conference uh, included homeschooling and the issue of human rights and parental autonomy on their agenda. And I presented a paper called Creature of the State, which we'll be publishing in a book with some other papers that were written on the subject. And I answer that question. I say, why is it, if homeschooling is a human right, why is it that there are countries that, uh, you know, want to uh, persecute that right? And I think you have to look at, at history and you have to look at the role of education in the state and how um, people want to use education as a political weapon to control society. Um, And, uh, you know, you look back, you can find different philosophies back in the Enlightenment period, and I I look at two particular people, Jean-Jacques Rousseau from France and John Locke from England, and you can compare and contrast their views on the role of the the government in education and, and sort of look to see today how things are shaping up in the various countries. And John Locke said, you know what? government does not have a role in education. It is up to the parents to educate their children, period, end of story. Whereas Jean-Jacques Rousseau and a number of other continental philosophers said, "Uh uh-uh, no, the state is required for stability, and therefore it is the state's responsibility. Children belong to the state, and the state will control education. And it's interesting, you can see how these philosophies actually have had an impact today, because in in the United Kingdom, uh, in England specifically, you have a law that says parents can educate their children otherwise. 
as long as it's, you know, suitable. And that's mm-hmm. the law in the U.K., and it's very free, and people don't have to contact the authorities, and there's no testing, no assessment, anything like that. Whereas in France, where Jean-Jacques Rousseau is from, of course, you see great amounts of regulation and increasing uh, desire on the part of the state to regulate homeschooling. And this is because these, these governments and forces within these governments want to control the future of society, and the future of society is the children of society. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that's really, uh, you know, what is driving regulation today. Uh, even in our own country here in America, there are people who believe that homeschooling, and not just homeschooling, but private schools, should be banned, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredible to me. There is a, um, a legal scholar. Her name is um, Martha Albertson Feynman. She is a, a very well-known uh, children's rights activist. And she has said that uh, the more, she says this, she says, the more appropriate suggestion for our current educational dilemma is that public education should be mandatory and universal. She is a law professor at Emory University. Uh, she says um, public institutions are where the basic and fundamental lessons must be taught and experienced by all American children. So that mentality is what drives this regulation, uh, and, you know, it's a true that the future of society is children, but God created families for children to be raised in. He did not give fam- uh, children to the state. He gives children to families. So um, it, it sounds to me that if, if, you're all, if all the children are going to, the, to these institutions and they're all being taught the same thing that you're um, blocking you know creativity and unique thought and uniqueness and you know sort of forming a society that really just goes along with what the powers that be want them to think and you know want them to do um is this what it's looking like well that's what's driving this attempt at regulation and uh i think that is true i mean you know there certainly is some room for creativity and individuality in public schools. They, you know, they seek to talk that way. But when you look at what happens in the public schools and the model of the public school, uh, it is, it's really an uh, assembly line sort of an approach. And public schools are an institution developed for you know, a, 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 an industrial society. And, and we live in a knowledge-based society now where you know, individuality and, and creativity is much more important than it used to be. And, you know, the public schools just don't really unlock that kind of creativity and individuality the way that homeschooling can. And, frankly, neither do private schools because private schools are simply a model that are based on the public schools. It's just run by private uh, individuals, and they don't have to obey all of the government controls, um, but they basically do business the same way. Uh, you know, you have a small movement in, in, in the charter school and uh, in, in some private schools with different kinds of approaches to education. Of course, you've got the Montessori and the Waldorf schools and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, various other approaches to education that attempt to be more individualized and more um, individual-centered. But, you know, there is simply no other form of education that provides the flexibility that homeschooling to allow children to really pursue their interests. And, uh, and so I think that that's, that is an important consideration. You know, in Western culture, we pride ourselves on being pluralistic. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you, when, you, when you see governments trying to crack down and control education, that really attacks the very heart of pluralism. Because family units and groups of families that make up different religions or different social groups, um, how can they continue to remain distinct if they have to put their children into a public institution that is essentially designed to 
um, wash out all of the mm-hmm. distinctives of their uh, cultural, or ethnic, or religious background. Yeah. And, you know, that's really what's, what is going on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we have to go on a break. For those of you just joining us, I'm talking to Mike Donnelly, staff attorney and director of international relations for HSLDA. We've been talking about why homeschooling is such a good choice for parents from all walks of life. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about alternatives to college. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family... All with an Italian flair. Then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Join us for self-aid success stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on DougieNet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Mike, um, we homeschool our children, and then a lot of parents send their children from the um, home environment into an institution, which sometimes I find is a little bit um, extraordinary. I did it myself, actually, but I've had people point out to me that, um, well, if you were homeschooled your whole life, why would you want your children to go into an institution for college? And uh, so we do that. But there are, I mean, some children, college is fine, but there are some children that really college is not the answer. So um, where where do they go and what can they do? Well, um, I think it's an excellent question. Um, 
you know, I have uh, seven children, and I'm, my oldest is 14, so I'm kind of dealing with this myself. In fact, he's actually taking an, an advanced placement course from Patrick Henry College Prep Academy. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, so I'm kind of grappling with this notion personally, but what I, what I look at is uh, the point that you've made, which is, you know, we homeschool our kids in, in order, in large part, to keep them out of an institutional environment, and then we want to go ahead and send them off to a four-year college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think there's there's an argument that says, yeah, that's okay. You know, you, in some professions, you need to get, uh, you know, that kind of advanced training and academic training in order to go on and, and do the things that God has called you to do. But I think too many of us just think that it's what you have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Many of us perhaps went to college, and we feel like, uh, our kids will be missing out if they don't do the same thing we did. And many of us who didn't go to college think that our kids will be missing out on something that we never had the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing here is we have to uh, really put into practice, um, you know, the, the admonition in Proverbs that says, lean on, uh, you know, the Lord your God with all your heart, not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. And mm-hmm. the most important thing we can do for our children is help guide them into an understanding of what God's call in their lives is. And, and, and if college is part of that, fine. If it's not, that's fine, too. And so if not college, then what do you do? Does that mean you don't go to college at all? You don't get any, any college education or any further training? I, I would say no to that. I think, you know, even if you don't go to a four-year institutional college, I think you can certainly continue to get uh, post-secondary education. And there's so much technology uh, today that allows you to do that uh, and get a degree without ever setting foot on a traditional college campus. That It's available to us, particularly as homeschoolers, because, you know, that's kind of how our kids are um, – are built, or we help. We try to help build them as they're young. Is not so much stuffing their heads with information, although that certainly is important that they have knowledge, but to help them learn how to learn, and so they can really take control of their futures as far as education is concerned, and explore lots of different options. Okay. Um, here in England, we have um, a lot of vocational schools um, that are sort of formal um, places where, where kids can go who don't want to do the academics, but they can go and see, do sports. There's a lot of sports ones that have opened up since I've been here that I see sports academies everywhere. And um, sometimes I just think it's a way of getting the kids off the streets, which is very important, as we saw after the riots that we've just been through here. But... Um, you know, what about the, in America, they don't seem to have so many vocational. They have arts schools and that, but they don't seem, I don't know whether they do or not. I, I really didn't go vocational down Vocational schools? Yeah. In America, yes, they, they do. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not as hands-on, perhaps, as they are in, in, uh, in Europe, but they, they do have vocational schools. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's what they do um, with children here who don't want to continue academically, because here they can leave school at 16 and then do whatever they want to do. And in fact, after the riots um, last month, there was something in the newspaper, a call to for the return of national service, which is, you know, mm. sort of having to go into the army for a certain number of years and mm-hmm. whip these kids into shape. Um, yeah. You know, is that something, is, is the military something that um, homeschoolers can go into? Is, is that a, a good option? Well, you know, that's a good question, Vivian. I'm glad you asked me that question. I mean, I served in the Army. I served uh, for five, over five years on active duty uh, and also for many years in the Army National Guard and the Army Reserve. And so I have a lot of, you know, military background. And I think you know, serving in the military uh, can be an honorable profession and an honorable call. Uh, I believe that serving the military, particularly today as the military is becoming more of a politicized 
uh, area of 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 our of our na- national culture that mm-hmm. it's it's something that homeschool children and Christians in particular need to be very careful about making that decision, and it needs to be one that is done with a lot of prayer, and they need to be really called to doing to do that. I think it's not the sort of uh, thing where you say, well, I need a job, I'll just go into the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that that's the right way to approach um, making a decision to join the, the military. Um, so so I think it can be an approach, and certainly there are lots of homeschoolers in America who do go into the military, uh, and our organization helps them. Uh, you, you know, We've had our difficulties over the years getting the United States Armed Forces to understand homeschoolers, just like we have had difficulties getting colleges to understand homeschoolers. You know, and We're still working on that, but it's a lot better than it used to be. But for homeschoolers, I think that you know the whole vocational route is uniquely available, uh, particularly you know in homeschools at earlier ages. Uh, you know, apprenticeships as a model uh, is, is something that goes back a long way, uh, and uh, particularly in Europe. And today, in Europe, is still used as a model for for children to to learn a career or vocation. And I think that uh, you know, as American parents or homeschooling parents anywhere in the world, you know, we have the ability to incorporate these kinds of practical vocational experiences as part of the homeschooling experience, which can then lead into a career field very naturally. Uh, and, and again, you, you know, there are ways to incorporate advanced learning and post-secondary education in, into those kinds of things as necessary. But, you know, you may have a child who is um, uh, interested in, uh, well, let's say, um, animals. And, you know, at 12 years old, uh, you know, your your youngster says, you know, I just love animals. I love horses. I love, you know, and that's usually girls. They just love animals, and you know, it's just, they want to be veterinarians, right? And uh, and so you may have a vet clinic down the road, and you go to that veterinarian clinic, and you talk to the vet and say, hey, can my daughter or son can they volunteer in your vet clinic for a day a week? And boy, what an experience! And I actually have some neighbors whose children did that, and then they actually are going on to vet school, and they confer- it confirmed for them that they really wanted to do this kind of of a career. Uh, and, you know, that can also count towards their high school education. I mean, working in a vet clinic for a day a week in the operating room and handling animals, I mean, do you think you learn a little bit about biology and, and anatomy and physiology? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that certainly can count for lab credit or even more than that. Uh, but the, on the other hand, Vivian, I think that, you know, when children have an opportunity to get into the environment, the vocational environment, and and get their hands dirty and really try the thing that they think they're going to like, they may find out that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And this is a very good outcome, too, because, you know, if you think you want to be a veterinarian and you go to high school and then you go to college and then go to vet school and then you find out, gee, I really don't want to do this. If I'd only had the opportunity to find out what it really meant to be a vet eight years ago, I could have saved myself lots of time and lots of money. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is what uh, we as homeschooling parents can really do with our children to help them confirm their calling, confirm their interests, and give them opportunities to explore those interests in depth to see if that's really where they want to, uh, where they feel like they should be uh, directing their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. I have a son who, was, who did exactly that. He was just really wanted to do the hands-on with animals, wanted to be outside all the time and, you know, sort of dealing with animals. So he, he volunteered at the animal shelter for years and years and years from the age of 13 onwards. And I said to him, listen, if you want a career in this 
because he did. He wanted to work at a zoo. I said, you're going to have to get a degree because no zoo is going to look at you without a degree. And really, academically, I don't think he wanted to do it, but he did. He went to A&M and he got his degree, and now he's working at the Dallas Zoo and doing exactly what he wants to do, having got all of the academics out of the way, and now he's there. And, you know, it's just incredible. Well, it's great, and you know, if you if you happen to live in Dallas, and maybe you did, and uh, you know, how cool would it be to go and try to get the, an internship for your homeschooler? Yeah. Uh, you know, to try and do some of those, you mm-hmm. know, things, maybe clean the cages and see what it means to be a yeah. zoologist on staff at a zoo. But that's yeah, there's lots of stories like that. Um, I mean, I've heard many many stories of homeschoolers using apprenticeships, um, and you know, with very good results um, for their children. You know, when you think about it. Um, you know, are employers looking for people who just have book learning, or do they really want people who have kind of the experience and the training? And the truth is, as having been an employer myself, I, I really, I'm looking for two things. I'm looking for somebody who's done the kind of work that I need to hire them to do, and I'm looking for people who have great attitude. And, you know, with homeschoolers, you've got children who have been trained by their parents to be respectful, uh, responsible, and if you use an apprenticeship, you can give them those kinds of hands-on experiences that uh, mesh very nicely with uh, the homeschool uh, approach to education and really help give your children a leg up uh, in, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier and um, sort of the word human rights came into um, our conversation. You know, the, the, it was part of human rights to um, educate, you know, a parent can educate their children. And that word has been banded around a little bit here, that the police here on our streets were unable to um, actually fight back against um, the dreadful looting and hooliganism that was going on here because of human rights, because, you know, the kids say, you know, sort of, well, they're frightened of hurting somebody and losing their job is really what the bottom line is as far as our police are concerned because of human rights and um, parents are claiming that they have their hands tied because it's now illegal to spank their children and um, you know I think sometimes that that's just like a a soft excuse to you know their children are running wild and they just can't reel them in because of the peer pressure Um, thoughts on that I'm your, sorry, say, did you, sorry, I, I heard was, what you said, did you ask a question, I didn't catch yeah, the question. Yeah, your thoughts, your thoughts. Oh, my thoughts? Well, be, before I comment on that, if we're moving away from apprenticeship, I'd like to just say one more thing, and then I'll oh, get to the yeah. human rights issue, because mm-hmm. there's one important, other important dimension about uh, apprenticeships and vocational training for homeschoolers, and that's the financial option, mm-hmm. or the financial question, rather. Uh, when you look at college today, it's very expensive. And, uh, you know, you, you look at uh, an opportunity cost of about $300,000 uh, or more when you go to college and you take out all those loans and then you forego, uh, you know, earning uh, money during that time. And so, you know, y- you have to f- ask yourself this question and factor that into the equation as well. You know, do you want your child to start out life with a lot of debt or by using apprenticeships and not maybe going to college traditionally four-year college? Uh, you know, maybe start life with a positive balance sheet. So that's something I'd like people to consider as well when they're weighing the college option. But on this question of, of human rights, I mean, I think, you know, discipline is of critical importance in life. You don't get anywhere without it. You, you know, no one is successful without having some measure of discipline. And, um, you know, that's something that we as parents have to help our children develop. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly 
um, you know, when they're young, uh, corporal um, punishment is, is one of those things that parents can use. And we're going on a break now really quickly, Mike. I don't know if you can come back after the break, but if you can... I think I need to. All right, do that. Thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these... Season Me is on Toginet, a delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcomed. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk, Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 central here on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Mike, thanks so much for, you know, sort of staying on for this last little bit. You were in the middle of talking about parents and um, their responsibility to discipline their children. Well, right, and I certainly wouldn't want to leave my <laughs> discussion on, the, on that note that, you know, spanking is the only way to discipline your children. I think it certainly is one of the components, but, you know, the Bible says that we are to, uh, you know, raise up our children with uh, admonition and nurture, and nurture mm-hmm. is a very important part of of, of raising children, and so that includes encouragement and um, and reproof and training, instruction, and so it's it's important for parents when their children are young to instill in them a, a respect for authority and uh, and discipline. And uh, you know, as homeschoolers, we're able to do that. I think a lot more than uh, you know in other uh, educational environments. So we have our hands on our children uh, all day. And uh, while that can certainly create challenges and, and conflicts because, 
you know, that's very demanding, uh, having uh, our children around all day and both doing the academics as well as the discipline and, 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 and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, that's probably one of the most important things that homeschooling parents do is help build their child's character. And, uh, and in homeschooling, uh, by having our children around with us, we have the ability to do that uh, by talking with our children, helping point them to what's true, uh, and help them think through um, why uh, discipline is important and why uh, all the different character attributes that we want to develop in our children, uh, hardworking, uh, integrity, uh, self-discipline, these things, how it is that those character attributes can translate into success in their lives. And sadly, what I see here, because this is a welfare state, um, is parents who... Um, their example to their children is um, that they've not had to work. Well, they don't work, they can't get a job, and if they do get a job, they don't get as much working as they do just get, taking the handout from the um, government. And so a lot of children are growing up with this attitude, and I see it even in my own extended family. And, you know, it's it's just sad that 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 is happening, that children go, well, if I don't get a job, it's okay. I can just go on the doll and they'll give it to me. And yeah. so they're getting stuff for nothing. You know, it's like entitlement rather than privilege. And I think that's so sad. And it's very difficult for, it's difficult for parents and it's, it's really going to be difficult for the children in the future, I think. Well, it's tough when you've got the government, you know, sort of enabling this kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, we have that issue in America, too, but I think, you know, here in the U.S., there is a lot more appreciation for um, entrepreneurialism and in taking the initiative and, um, you know, sort of earning your own way in life, although there are forces that would like to try to stamp that out and try to make everybody equal, which is inherently impossible. No one is equal. We're all unique, and if we're all unique, we can't be the same. We all have our own gifts and talents and abilities, and, and we need to be able to realize um, you know, what that means in life through our work and the things that we do. And I, I would agree with you that you know, a government that makes it possible for you to just subsist by handing you enough money to go get your, your, your breakfast and your lunch and your beer at the pub Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of a life is that? That certainly isn't a very fully realized life. That's not a life that you're contributing to society. And, and, but if that's the kind of life you're living and your children see that, well, you know, they think that's the way life is because children, regardless of whether you have them in a public or private school or homeschool, they're looking at you as a parent. And yeah. they're looking at what you're doing, what you're saying. And, the, you know, the, the, the old adage, a lot more uh, is caught than taught, is very true. We can say all we want to our children about, hey, you need to get a job, you need to get an education, you need to you know, get ahead. But if you're not doing that, if you're not modeling that, then your children more than likely are going to follow in your footsteps uh, rather than escape from, uh, escape from the clutches of poverty. So, you know, people really need to think about that. And in homeschooling, I think, you know, we have the ability to uh, really uh, model, uh, I think, um, uh, those kinds of virtues and values that are important and will help children see that individual responsibility, personal responsibility, taking, uh, you know, responsibility for yourself is uh, important because parents who homeschool are taking on that responsibility to educate their children. And so just that in and of itself, I think, says a lot. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me this week. Always a pleasure, Vivian. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, I uh, pray God blesses you and your visitors. 
and listeners. Thank you very much, and you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I've been chatting to Mike Donnelly from HSLDA, where he serves as staff attorney and director of international relations. Mike's work, both in America and around the world, ensures that homeschooling remains a parental choice for all of us. He and his wife homeschool their seven children, and he's a frequent speaker and writer on this subject. I strongly suggest that you go to hslda.org to find out how you can support this organization and join them if you haven't already. And if you go to parentalrights.org, I think you'll be surprised as to um, how much the government is encroaching on our rights to um, be godly parents and um, responsible parents and stewards of our children. Um, So that was great. And thanks once again, Mike, for um, joining me. That was his fifth visit to my show. So um, he's really very, very supportive. And as you can hear, um, a great homeschooling dad and husband and supporter of everybody that homeschools. So get yourself on the website, find out more about them. Um, Anyway, what was I doing? Um, We were talking about, let's let's talk a little bit about um, my trip to um, Rome and um, the fact that my husband and I decided to take Malia there as kind of like um, a last little outing before she goes to um, college. And um, we had gone on our honeymoon many, many years ago, and we had thrown coins into the Trevi Fountain, which meant that sometime in our lifetime, we would be returning. And so we thought, okay, we'll, we'll kill two birds with one stone. And off we went, and we took a... Um, plane with a company called EasyJet and um, um, it started, we had to get up like at 3 o'clock in the morning to go get our flights because those charter flights seem to start really early in the morning but anyway we got there at about 10.30 or something like that we got to our hotel and we were off and running um, at about 11.30 which was great but we found that we spent the whole trip pretty much saying well, I remember it wasn't like this and I remember it wasn't like that. And um, I think we were a whole lot younger and a whole lot more energetic and the weather wasn't quite as hot when we went on our um, honeymoon. But um, we sort of saw that the Romans were a little bit rude. I think they were at the end of a very hot um, summer and they were ready to get the tourists out of their city. Um, We also noticed that um, they said no to just about everything we asked about. Um, And uh, what else? There seemed to be more ruins. There was a lot of archaeology going on, a lot of excavating going on. So there were a lot of scaffolds and big holes that had been dug. So they're revealing many, many more ruins. So there's a lot more to see. Um, Something we shouldn't have done. We shouldn't have gone to the Vatican Museum um, to see We wanted to see the Sistine Chapel. That was the only way we could do it. But in order to get to the Sistine Chapel, we had to pass through like 10 galleries of work, artwork that had been donated to the Vatican over um, the thousands of years that a pope has been um, sort of in existence. And um, all the people wanted to do who were passing through all these galleries was to get to the Sistine Chapel, as we did. So nobody was looking at all of this beautiful stuff that was around them. We were just being you know, sort of washed along like a big wave with all these people towards the Sistine Chapel. Then we got into the chapel and it was packed. I mean, you literally, we were shoulder to shoulder um, with all these hundreds of people in there. And they were all looking up, of course, you know, we're sort of looking at the beautiful ceiling. 
And then we stayed in there for about 20 minutes, I suppose. And then we left and then we had to go through another 10 galleries to get ourselves out of the out of the Vatican. And um, personally, I think I would have paid the same amount of money just to go to the chapel had I been able to go in a side door. And I know that when we were on our honeymoon, they were renovating some of the ceilings. So any half of it was available. But we were able to lie down on the chapel floor and look up at the ceiling. So obviously there weren't very many people in there for us to be able to do that. There was no way we could have done that this time. Um, Anyway, on our last day in Rome, um, the buses and the metros were on strike and um, we had just kind of sussed out how to use the bus and the metro by this time. And so we were going to spend the whole day just kind of bussing and metroing around and found that we couldn't. So we had to do a lot of walking and we actually got a taxi. But when we got to the airport at about 5.30, we discovered that not only were the buses and the metro on strike, but the airlines had been on strike too. And we were oblivious to all of this going on. We're there in this city. I said to said to Larry, my God, they could have overthrown the government and we wouldn't have been any the wiser because we don't speak the language. And um, they had cancelled all of the flights earlier on in the day, but our eight o'clock flight still went on time. We were so lucky. I was standing next to a woman who was saying to the, the attendant behind the counter, it's only Tuesday. What do you mean the next flight you can get us out on is Saturday? I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know, she's saying school starts tomorrow. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got all kinds of stuff, you know, that I want to do. I could not be stuck in Rome for another four whole days. Much as I enjoyed it, I didn't want to stay there any longer. So um, I guess I'm getting ready to um, come to the end of my hour with you. It's been great. Um, Tonight we're going to be taking our daughter out for a final meal. And um, here in Leon C, well, I'm actually in South End, but we'll go down the 10 minutes down the road. And my husband's doing really well, actually. We, ha- we rented a car and he requested that it was an automatic, but it isn't, of course. It's a manual, so he's got to be shifting gears and he's driving on the wrong side of the road, which is the right side of the road, the left-hand side. He's doing a great job. So um, I will say goodbye until next week. We're off to find somewhere nice to eat this evening. And then tomorrow we're going to head home for our first week as empty nesters. And Malia is in for a week of aching joints and muscles as she starts her college. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Mike Donnelly, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others. Remember to listen to my friend Sandy of Heartfelt Holidays on Monday and Ali Lepree this afternoon. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 624 through 26. Do 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 and I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.